Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Welcome to the Local Church. Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. I'm Eric. I'm one of the pastors here, and as we begin today, I just want to say you made it. You made it. It's been a busy season, hasn't it? There's been a lot going on, and, and you've, you've made time tonight to, to worship together with the people of God, to give thanks to, to, to God for sending Jesus. First of all, I want to give some thanks uh, to our worship team, to all of our, our, our serve team leaders who, who on their own accord have come on this Christmas Eve to help make this the perfect place for imperfect people. Can we just give them some thanks right now? Everyone over in Kid Street, they're having a happy birthday Jesus party. Your children are learning about Jesus on their level. I'm so grateful for that. I also want to say some thanks before we begin for all of you who have been prayerfully considering what your gift to God this Christmas could be. We've been talking all this month of, of all the things that God has done and what more could God do in just the final weeks and how, how much more could we experience when we, when we obey him at his word. So some of you have been faithfully praying about giving your greatest gift and I'm excited for what that means for our, our, our local and our national and our global ministry partners. We're going to bless them at the end of this month. 10% of that's going to go to our local organizations that we support in this community. Uh, 10% of it's going to go to our national church planning partners. And then 10% of that's going to go to our global missions partners. And then in, in January, I'm excited for, for 2022. We're going to kick off a new year. I'm excited for what God has placed on, on my heart for us to experience what we're going to get to be a part of in 2022. At the final weekend in, in January is going to be our Vision Sunday. And so we're going to share what, what God has in store for us, what we believe he's called us to do in this new year. And it's all because of, of your faithfulness, your generosity, your prayer, your support. But it, it's been a busy year, hasn't it? I mean, there's a lot. Some of you right now, how many of you still have some presents to buy? We got like half a dozen people. Go to CVS, but don't get anything at the checkout aisle, okay? Just be a little bit, you know, like get, get some isotoner uh, insoles and some mousse or something like that. Don't buy the things that everyone else buys at the checkout. They'll be none the wiser. They won't know. How many of us would say as busy as it's been, it's also been kind of messy, Anyone would say it's been a messy December so far? Yeah, listen, let me just be honest with you. Much like this, this mess right over here. Um, it's been messy and um, it's not over yet. Some of you, you're going to experience a little bit more mess tonight. You're going to go to your Noche Buena and you're going to have some family that's not with you right now. They're like, hey, we've been waiting for you. And they might say some things or do some things. And now everything's a little bit messy. Some of you, maybe tomorrow morning, it's going to, I have PTSD, so I got to try to get through this real quick. You're going to wake up in the morning very early. Your kids are going to say, mom, dad, wake up. We, we got to open all the gifts. They're going to tear open everything. They're going to throw it all over the floor. There's going to be zip tags and, and tape and, and paper and cardboard boxes and, 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 it's like, yeah, you gave me the gift of cleaning up after you, kids. Thank you so much for that. Or maybe maybe you're out of that season. Maybe you're not quite in that season. But maybe tomorrow, you know, the, the mess is going to be the people who come over. They're going to come over to your house and they're going to spill stuff on your new tablecloth and the kids are going to get, you know, uh, sour cream or, or, or gravy on your couch and they're going to mess up your rug and clog up your toilet. Listen... I've been talking this past month in this series called Chris Mess about the, the mess that I hate. And, 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 and like, 
I love this season, but I have PTSD about the mess that I know comes with it. But here's what I've realized. I'm also messy. I'm a messy guy myself. My house may not be messy. I have obsessive compulsive disorder when it comes to everything being in its place always. But maybe you're like me. Maybe your house is clean, but your life can be messy. But your relationships can be messy. And now you have to confront them because the family, the messy family, the messy relationships are coming over and you have to deal with something that you haven't dealt with in such a long time. But here's the hope that we've been talking about. We've been learning how to embrace the mess in our life and, and find the meaning behind all of the mess. And we're growing and we're, we're learning and we're loving because of this mess. And, and today, this Christmas Eve, as we end this series called Christmas, I've titled today's teaching and I'm excited to teach about the miracle in the mess. I want you to know that in all this mess of Christmas, there is a miracle an actual miracle that we can experience. And I want to talk through this miracle through the Christmas story. Are you familiar with the Christmas story? Yes? Yes? No? All right, because then I'll have to read a whole bunch of passages if you're not. I'll have to explain it all to you. Listen, we know about the Christmas story. You, you've, you've read books. You've seen television shows. You've come to church services where they talk about the Christmas story. And this Christmas story, it's the greatest story ever told. It's a miracle. It's God's gift to us. But many of us, we haven't received this miracle, this gift for ourselves. Why? Because this is how we see the Christmas story. Look how cute it is. You got Joseph with a big old smile. Mary, Mary just had a baby and she's standing and, and she's, she's so happy. And look, I don't know, can you see Jesus? Look at, oh, he's so cute. He's sleeping, he's smiling. There's, there's a lamb and a donkey and the donkey isn't kicking and the camel doesn't smell. This is what we think the Christmas story is like. It's this picturesque, perfect, you know, it, it's clean, it's, it's cute. But can I tell you that it wasn't that way? It was messy. And so many of us think we, we have this picturesque image in our mind that doesn't remotely resemble the revelation that we see in Scripture. And because of that, because we think, well, that was perfect. Well, that was picturesque and that must not be real. We miss the actual miracle that God wants to give to us through this story. So I want to talk about the miracle in this mess. I want to talk about how it was messy to get this image of precious moments. Everyone's smiling. Everything is so happy out of our minds so that we can receive the miracle. And I know it's hard because it's, it's plastered everywhere and all the decorations we adorn our house with. Everyone is smiling. Everything is clean. Nothing's messy. In the songs that we sing even, like, you know the song, Away in a Manger, No Crib for a Bed. The little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. Oh, it's so cute. He's sleeping. Little baby Jesus. But do you, do you know the second verse? The second stanza frustrates me. Here's what it says. It's up there on the screens. It says, the cattle are lowing. The baby awakes. But what happens? The little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Come on, that's not real. Right? My wife has had three babies at Memorial Hospital 
with modern day technology and amenities and they were crying. All three of them. Everyone was crying at this first Christmas. It wasn't like this. Joseph is crying. He's like, oh, Mary, what is that coming out of you? Mary, she's crying even before she gave birth. You, you mean, Joseph, I have to ride this donkey? To, to go to this town for this census? You didn't have any sense to, to rent an Airbnb? She's yelling, she's screaming, and then she gave birth. And that's all I'll say about that, 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 that women scream when they give birth, amen? It wasn't clean, it wasn't cute, it was messy. And there's a miracle in the mess that I don't want us to miss. So let, 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 me, read, let me read this Christmas story. Matthew 1.18, you can turn to your Bibles or flip open your apps, follow along on the screen, everyone at home as well. It says this, it says, now this, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, not that way, not precious moments, not blow up, not, not so cute. In this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, okay, our kids are, are having the time of their life at Kid Street. They're celebrating Jesus' birth. We're adults. We can talk about some adult things. They had not consummated the marriage. You understand that? I see some kids here, so I'll just move past that. Before they had come together, before they went to home base, she was found to be child with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Verse 23, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. I love that. That's a miracle in this mess. Emmanuel is what they'll call him, meaning God is with us. If you get nothing today, know that God is with us. He's with you. He's with us right now. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not, there it is again, until she had given birth to a son. If he wasn't screaming at the birth, he, he was screaming the whole way through. I have to wait nine months? Yes. But he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, this is the Christmas miracle. But much like this, blow up nativity scene, it came from a pile of mess. It, it, it was a mess to begin with. We have to see it as a mess. I mean, Mary and Joseph are betrothed and she comes to him and says, I'm pregnant and it's not your child. Have you considered that conversation? Where is that in all our cute Christmas stories? What do you mean you're pregnant? We have not. Who is the father? I love you, Joseph. I want to be honest with you. It's God. <laughs> really? You're going to blame this on God? When you blame backing the camel into the house, that, okay, that was God, sure. But th this, this is not God. I mean, this, this is a messy situation. For anyone who's ever been cheated on, you, you must understand what's going on through his heart and in his mind. He, he loves her, but her, his love is not seemingly enough for her that she had to go to someone else to fulfill her desires. I mean, Joseph, he's heartbroken. 
Joseph doesn't know what to do. Joseph, he, he's trying to make the right decision, but he loves her. And so it says in verse 19, her husband Joseph being a just, say just, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. That word just is not subjective. It has a very objective meaning. Here's what it is. Be, to be just means based on or behaving to what is morally right and fair. And I know for, for us in 2021, it's hard to fully understand what is morally right and fair because morals seem to be constantly shifting and not staying on the word of God for much of our culture. But you need to understand in this culture, what was morally right and fair was for Joseph to publicly disgrace Mary, to plaster her picture at every Aldi's and Walmart and say, stay away from this tramp, this cheater, this unfaithful woman. In fact, in his culture, in his faith even, what would have been right and fair was for him to stone her. Do you understand that? I'm not talking Snoop Dogg, I'm talking Old Testament. Take her life with a rock. And if he didn't do that, now the mess is on him. This is a messy situation. Just imagine all the, the, the friends and the conversations they're having with jo Joseph. What are you doing? She cheated on you. Why are you still with her? Why are you still like, spending time with her? You should divorce her. Think of all the jokes they were making behind his back. Think about how this may have ruined his reputation, how this may have killed his income, his business. Don't go get your cabinets made by Joseph. He's a terrible, terrible human being. He has not done what is right according to our faith and our law. Take your business elsewhere. It was messy. But there's a miracle in the mess. Maybe your life, maybe your relationships are messy, but I'm telling you, there's a miracle in the mess. What was that miracle? I want you to write this down. Joseph heard God in the mess, obeyed what he asked, and got to be part of a miracle. Let me say that again. Joseph heard God in the mess. Despite the mess, his life was messy. God spoke to him. He heard God, then he obeyed what God asked, and he got to be part of a miracle. God spoke to Joseph. We just read one dream, but, but God gave him four dreams. First, God said, Joseph, take her as your wife. So he obeyed. Then he said, I want you to move to Egypt because Herod's trying to kill this baby. So he obeyed. Then he said, I want you to move back because Herod's dead. So he obeyed. And then he said, now I want you to move to Nazareth. He moved three times within this short amount of time. Why? Because God asked him to do it. And when he heard from God and he obeyed, he began to be part of a miracle. He got to experience the miracle of being part of the family of God forever. God uses imperfect people like us. God uses messy situations like many of us are in. And he uses that so that we can experience and be part of the miracle of being part of God's story, of being something, being part of something that's bigger than ourselves. So what about you tonight? What might God be speaking to you? What in his word has been convicting you that you have been rejecting? Maybe some of us tonight we're more concerned about what other people might think if we obey God than what God can do if we obey him. 
We think about how they'll perceive us or what that might do to to my, my personality or my reputation instead of obeying the one who knows you and loves you and wants to do the impossible in your life. I'm telling you tonight, there's a miracle waiting in the mess if we would obey like Joseph. Joseph got to be part of something bigger than himself. He got to be part of the literal family of God. He's in the genealogy of Jesus because of his obedience. Are, Are you aware of that? He said yes, he obeyed God's word, and now his name is written in the Bible. His name is written in the book of life. He's part of Jesus' family tree. Have you ever read his family tree? It's found in Matthew chapter 1. It's messy. It is a messy family tree. Let let, let me read it. Matthew 1.1. This is Jesus' family history. It says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Say David. The son of Abraham. Say Abraham. David and Abraham, two very simple names that many of us know, but then for the next 16 verses, it begins to give this long laundry list of names, this this Jewish phone book, Obed, Zerubbabel, Shealtiel, Ruth. And I remember reading this like, why are these names here? I mean, honestly, this is probably one of the chapters in the Bible, and including all of Leviticus, that we like to skip over. Why are these names here? Why is this important? There's a miracle in this mess. I want you to write this down. God loves messy people, and he knows us by name. I used to overlook this chapter. Just just get to the good stuff. I don't want to read all these names. I can't pronounce these names, but let me tell you, God loves messy people, and he knows us all by name. We get this genealogy to let us know that that God is a God who knows your name. Think about all the times that you've walked into a place, uh, the first day of school, a new opportunity at work, and and you're wondering, is anyone going to see me for who I am? Does anyone know who I am? Does anyone know my story? Maybe you came to church tonight and you're wondering, is anyone going to really see me for who I am? Are they going to know my name? Or are they not going to see past the mask I'm wearing or the mask that I've actually put up in my, my life? Because we all desire to be known. We all want to be known. And I want you to know that there's a God who is with us right now who knows you by name. He loves you by name. He calls you by name. All these names were written, this messy family. Because God wants you to know that he knows your name. And today, just like Joseph, Joseph being part of the family of God because he obeyed God's word. He said yes to what God wanted in his life. Today, that could be your story. Today, that could be your family. You can be part of his family tree. You can be part of his family forever. It starts off chronologically with Abraham, right? And we know Abraham. This family tree starts off with the father of our faith. But what some of us don't understand was Abraham was messy as well. He's not just the father of our faith. He's the one who messed up everything to begin with. And what we don't realize about Abraham is that he wasn't faithful when God found him. He wasn't a Jew. He was a Gentile. The Bible says he was from Ur of the Chaldeans, meaning he was from Babylon. He came from a pagan family, had a pagan father. He wasn't searching after God, but God was searching after him. 
just like he's looking for you today. And then we have King David. We know David, he's a towering figure in history, a towering figure in our faith as followers of Jesus. In fact, many of you, you can say what comes after this. David was a man after God's own. We know that. David was a man after God's own. He was a, he was a, a good man, but he wasn't always a godly man. David was messy. In fact, Matthew, it insinuates this, it, it leans into this, it hints that in Matthew 1, 6, here's what it says. David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Did you get that? David, this, this man after God's own heart, this, this scrappy little kid who fell the giant Goliath, this beautiful songwriter who who wrote all these worship songs in the book of Psalms, this strategist who put together the plan for the next generation to build a, a temple where the presence of God would reside and the people could experience that presence. The Bible is clear about his mess. He was a murderer and a cheater, an adulterer, and this is just the first two names on this list. You continue to read the next 16 verses. It's filled with other scammers and sinners and cheaters and liars and murderers. There's even two prostitutes on this list. Why? Out of all the families that God could have chosen to come to be with us, why this messy family tree? Because God wants you to know that he's a God who loves welcomes and saves sinners. Joseph got to be part of this family. Joseph's obedience changed the trajectory of his life and his family forever. And just like Joseph tonight, some of you, 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 you can be the one who stands in faith and says, I'm believing for my family. You can be the one who says, I'm gonna be the one who's gonna bring peace to this chaos in my family. I'm going to be the one who, who, who stands up in faith and says, no, there's going to be reconciliation. We have to make this right because we're family and we're not going to be separated. We're going to do whatever it takes by your act of obedience, by you saying, no, Jesus is going to be Lord of our family and we're going to follow his words. Not just your, your entire family's destiny, but the eternal trajectory can be changed forever. Joseph, because of his obedience, he got to experience this miracle of being part of God's family, Jesus' literal family. He stood up in faith. And in my family, you know who that was? That was my mom. My mom, she, she was in a messy marriage with my dad. Then they had a very messy divorce. And I used to live with my mom on the weekends and, and then uh, live with my abuela and my abuelo throughout the week. And, and just my parents tried so hard to make ends meet, but everything was messy. And then one day my Buddhist mom got invited to a Christian church. And she went because there was free food. So I wonder where I get this desire to eat. And it's from my mom. She's like, free food? I'm there. So good. Tasty. So tasty. I like this church. And so she, she went to this church. Oh, only I can make that joke. Okay. Merry Christmas. Don't, don't be racist. She, she, goes, she goes to this church and she hears about the grace of God for the first time. She, she receives this grace for herself. 
And her entire life, her entire eternity, and the trajectory of our family's destiny was forever changed because of my mom saying yes to what God asked her. And ever since my mom said yes to Jesus, my siblings and I, we've had a drug problem. Every Sunday, my mom drug us to church. <laughs> Listen, people laughed in the other services. That was, that was a pretty decent joke. <laughs> it's not even grammatically correct. There's no word as drug, it's dr dragged. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, I'm, I'm joking. No, but my mom, she, she forced us to come to church. She said, no, I'm going to be the one to make sure that my family knows God's love for them, that they don't feel like they need to work for it, but they experience his grace like I have. And she, she dragged us to church, and we got to experience that grace, and we got to experience that love, and our family's forever changed, and my family's forever changed, and my children's, they're forever changed because someone, my mom, saying Jesus is going to be Lord in this family whatever it takes. I'm grateful for that. Tonight, that could be you. Joseph got to experience this. Jesus' mother got to experience this as well. My, my mom, her, her name is written in the book of life, just like Jesus' mom. His earthly mom is written in this book of life as well. Here's what it says. It all ends with Mary, culminates with her. It says in Matthew 1, 16, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of who? Mary of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Now listen, if, if uh, you're here today and you would consider yourself a Catholic, you can call me Father Eric if you want to. I go by that. Call me Pastor Eric. Just, just don't call me a heretic for what I'm about to say, okay? I'm not trying to make fun of Mary, but, but we have this, this picturesque image of Mary. Oh, she's so pretty. She's so smiling. She's so perfect. But the Bible paints another picture, the Bible shows us that Mary was messy, just like us. In Luke chapter 2, it, it tells this very interesting story about Mary. Jesus, he's about 12 years old at this point. So Joseph and Mary and Jesus and all his earthly siblings, they're, they're going to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover. They, they go and they worship and they celebrate and then they decide to go back home. And so Joseph and Mary are leading the caravan with all the kids behind. And they just assume everyone's here and then they get back and they realize, where's Jesus? This is the first home alone. And it's, Kevin! Jesus, my baby, where is he? And just like Kevin McAllister in Home Alone, it took them 24 hours to realize they left their kid in another city. Who does that? Some of you are like, messy moms do. You fast forward 20 years, the Bible tells another picture of, of Mary's messiness. We see Jesus, and, and Jesus is doing what he's come to do. He's come to, to save and, and, and love those who are messy. He's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's befriending imperfect people. And the religious leaders don't like this. And the religious leaders are saying, you can't be with those people. Do you know who they are? Do you know the mess that they've made? And so the religious leaders began to spread this lie about Jesus that he was demon-possessed, that his father is the devil. And listen what happens in Mark 3, 21, that this is strange. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying he is out of his mind. Jesus' family thought he had lost it. 
I want to make this clear. This isn't his, you know, his tio tito with a little bit too much coquito. It's not, you know, Uncle Larry with the Alize. It's not, you know, Brother Ron with the Jack Daniels. This, the Bible tells us a few verses later that the family that thought he had lost it was his brothers and his mother. Mary wanted to get Jesus because she thought he could not take care of himself. Mary doubted. This is the same Mary that heard from the angel Gabriel that you are going to give birth as a virgin to the Son of God. The same Mary who had this confirmed through various signs and wonders and miracles from people that she loved, Mary doubted. And then we see this play out at Jesus' death. All throughout Jesus' ministry, it wasn't a spoiler. It wasn't a surprise. He says, I've come to die. I've come to earth. I, I was born in a manger so that I can die for you. I've come to save you who is lost. And so I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again on the third day. He continued to share this throughout his ministry. He, he, he came, he lived, he died. He was going to rise again. And after he was brutally punished and tortured and crucified and laid in a tomb on the third day, Mary should have been out there with cookies, right? My son, he's going to rise today. You want to see a miracle? Jesus is coming back to life. But on that morning, she was mourning. On that morning, she was crying. In fact, the only women at the tomb came, not with cookies, but with spices to preserve his body because they believed him to still be dead. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to disrespect Mary. I'm just trying to show that she was messy. She was imperfect. She doubted just like we tend to do. But don't think that your doubting disqualifies you from experiencing God's miracle in your life. God used her even though she doubted. Why? Luke 1.26. In the sixth month of the, uh, the angel Gabriel sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. We read all that. We talked about that. Verse 28. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored. Say that with me. Favored one. The Lord is with you. Favored. Look to a few people, tell them, favor ain't fair. Sure is fun though, right? We want favor. Favor's not fair. We, we say, how you doing today? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored by the Lord. As though it's some sort of achievement that you can unlock in life because you are special and you are significant. That's not what favored means. In fact, that word is the Greek word that actually literally means grace. The angel Gabriel was saying, hey, blessed are you, O graced one, you who has received grace from God. Do you know what it means to be graced? It doesn't mean you're special. It means you've been gifted. You have received a gift that you have not earned. And then it continues on, verse 29, confused and disturbed. Mary's like, wait, do, do you know who I am? Do you know my age? Do you know the mistakes I've made? Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. And he said again, do not be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor. 
You have found grace with you. You've been graced by God. You are messy, Mary, but there's a miracle in this mess that you have been graced. You have been given a gift from God that you have not earned. And then the angel Gabriel begins to describe how she is graced and how the world will experience the grace of God, how, how, how this son will come and be conceived in her and he will be the savior and he will give grace to this undeserving world so that they can be set free. It's all by grace. Some of you today, it's hard for you to receive grace. You think grace is only for smiling, happy, cute, beautiful people. The people who serve, the people who have the the right family, who Instagram filters are always on fleek, always on point. Like, Like, grace is for them. No, grace is for us all. Mary was not special. You need to understand that. She wasn't born in Alexandria. She didn't have the wealth of Rome. She she grew up in Nazareth. Do you you understand? Let me give it in a more modern day context. She didn't grow up in Park Avenue, New York City. Her parents didn't have a house on Star Island in Miami. She wasn't even from Hialeah. She was from Clewiston. So I'm like, where's Clewiston? Exactly. It's one stop. And if you're from Clouston, don't be offended. I don't know what good comes out of Clouston. Maybe it's you, but don't be offended because she was from a place like Clouston and God chose her and God graced her. So how does she respond? You might think you're no one special, but you are graced. And here's a response that we should give when we are graced. Luke 138, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Here's a miracle in the mess for some of us. My messy old life can experience the miracle, the miracle of new life. Not just a new family, not just a new opportunity, but a new life when I respond like Mary. Let it be. Whatever. That's the most appropriate response that a graced person can give. I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. But whatever you want, I'm going to do. I'm your servant. Let it be. Whenever, whatever, whenever, however, let it be. I'm your servant. Don't miss that miracle. God wants to use you, not because you are so special. It's because he is so gracious. It's all about his grace. Mary wasn't special, but God was good. But she's still remembered. She's still honored. She still gets to be part of this family forever. Just like we can experience today. You are loved. You are graced. You are favored. And God wants to do a miracle in your life. He wants to take what you believe about yourself and replace it with what he sees in you. He wants to take the deadness in your heart and the sinfulness of your actions and replace it with his love, his life, 
And it all happens by grace. Joseph heard from God. He responded in faith. And he got to be part of a miracle. Why? Because of God's grace. Mary, she, she heard from God. She responded in faith even though she didn't deserve it. She got to be part of a miracle. Why? Because of God's grace. It's all about God's grace. But, but here's the thing about grace. It's a gift. This Christmas, some of you, you're, you're gonna return the gifts that you got from your family. You're like, oh, thank you. I don't want this. I'm gonna return this. Some of you, you're just gonna put it in the cabinet or lay it in your garage. There's really only two things you can do with the gift. You can receive it or you can reject it. But, but I'm not rejecting it. I'm just not using it. No, you don't think it's worth anything, so you don't put it to use. You don't think it's meaningful, so you exchange it for something else. You can either reject it or receive it. And whatever you do with your gifts this noche, Buena, whatever you do with your gifts tomorrow morning, I want to tell you tonight, the gift that you don't want to take for granted is the gift of God's grace for you. He wants you to experience the miracle of new life. Would you receive that tonight? Would you receive that for yourself? Would you receive that for your marriage, your children, your family, your legacy? Today, tonight can be the night that changes everything in your life if you would simply respond. I surrender. I believe. And I receive. It's as simple as that. You, you don't have to dress a certain way. You don't have to attend a, a this particular church, you don't have to take a class, you don't have to give money. To be part of Jesus' family forever, to be a friend of God, to be set free from your sin and death and selfish ways, to simple as believing and receiving this grace. Believe what? To believe that I am messy. I'll admit that. I'm messy. To believe that, that we're messy, to believe that we've made a mess on our own, but, but to believe that, that God so loves us that he sent his son Jesus to be with us, to live for us, to die for us, to resurrect for us, to set us free, to believe that he's the only one who can do that, to believe that he loves us, and then receive that gift of grace for ourselves. Tonight, you can do that. Tonight, your life, your eternity, forever can be changed if you would just believe and receive. I want to ask everyone in this room to close your eyes. We're not going to make a spectacle of, of you or this moment. Emmanuel, God is with us. He hears, he knows, he loves. Tonight, you would admit I'm messy. I've made a mess. God, my life is a mess. And I need a savior. I need grace. I need Jesus. Tonight, you can simply respond by telling God. He hears. And you don't have to say the right words, but I want to help you. Because I want tonight, this Christmas in 2021, December 24th, to be a date that you could put on the calendar. The day that I surrendered my life to Jesus and became a new creation. So here's what we're gonna do. I wanna lead you in a prayer. And our church familia, those of us who know Jesus, we're gonna pray out loud with you. Amen, church? We're gonna pray us out loud in support, in celebration for the decision 
that you are making to receive this grace. If that's you, I'm a mess and I need Jesus tonight. I need a savior. Would you pray this with me along with all of our church family who knows the Lord? Jesus, I'm a sinner. Come on, family, let's pray this. But you're my savior. I've made a mess, but you have grace. So I believe that you love me. I believe you are the perfect son of God. I believe you came, you lived, you died and rose again so that I could be set free in this moment. I receive this gift. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love forever. And I'm believing that I'm a new creation, that you're with me, that you're never gonna leave me. You said it, I believe it. It is done in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.